Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. I am going to continue probably along the same train of thought that I've been in now for three or four weeks. And so, um, you know, God freed me from the system of always feeling like I got to deliver something new. Mm. It's a bad place to be. And I know a lot of men trapped in that, in that pit right now. How, how, how burdensome would it be if you had to eat a different meal every time you ate? Wouldn't that be a struggle? Like, ooh. So... One thing that we're learning here as we've really just learned to be God's kids is that, man, you don't have to have something different every time you gather. And I'm also learning if, <laughs> if I could do half of what I learned in the last month, I'd change the world. Right? And so I like to do when I, I used to own a, a lawn company when you cut grass, every time you come back around, you slightly what? You overlap a little bit, yeah? And so I'll always overlap most of the time. Um, uh, the gift of repetition is a huge gift to the planet, and so um, I will repeat a lot of things. Um, I'm a one-trick pony. If you come here next week, you know what you're going to hear about? Jesus. You come here the week after that, you know what you're going to hear about? Jesus. If you go to heaven, you know one thing that never gets old in heaven? Jesus. He only gets old in the American church, but I'm telling you something. Just write that Holy Ghost haircut right over heads. He only gets old in the American church because we believe in entertaining saints, but that's not what we do here, right? So we're here to equip you to be the sons and daughters that watch this. You really already are. You really already are. Um, Marsha, if you have that scripture ready, you can put that up on the screen for me if you have that scripture. I want to read this to you. This is what um, we broke out with um, a few weeks back, and I'm just going to read it to you. I'll just read it off the screen. Here's what it says. <clears throat> this is 1 Corinthians 1.30. But God has brought, everybody say us, us. Into, into union. One more time, say us, us. Into, into union with Christ, Jesus. And God has made Christ to be our wisdom. Oh, I love that. God has made him to be our what? Our wisdom, by him we are put right with God, which is righteousness, and we become God's holy people, and we are set free. But God has brought us into union with Christ Jesus. Everybody say union. union. Come on, one more time. Say union. union. Yeah, so some of the stuff we've been talking about um, is we have really just been letting the Holy Spirit tip over some of our religious cows. I don't know. Has anybody ever been cow tipping? Like, yeah, has anybody realistically ever been cow tipping? <laughs> Paul's Valley. Paul's Valley, bro. You married a cow tipper. I'm just saying. Tiger King. Tiger King, Paul's Valley. Um, by the way, what was that lady's name on the show? Your aunt. Okay, her aunt is Carol Baskins. Everybody is kin to Carol Baskins from Paul's Valley, but... Winnie Wood. So anyway, funny. So, you, but you have been cow tipping. Did you actually tip over a cow? Yeah. Was that scary? Uh, it was just scary once they woke up. 
it was scary once they woke up. So they're like, they're sleeping? I mean, I've never done I'm asking because I don't know. So this thousand pound animal, you push it and it falls over and it hits the dirt and jumps up, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. I would be upset if somebody rolled me out of the bed sleeping, much less if I'm sleeping, stand up, you push me over, I can see that, but it's not difficult. Okay, so, well, it's a lot more difficult in the church of Jesus Christ to tip over cows because what we do is we prop them back up when they fall. It's quiet in this Pentecostal church this morning already early. I said, we, 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 we not only do that, we put, we brace them so that you cannot tip them over. And, and the cows that we don't let Jesus tip over end up tripping us up in life, right? And so we have been letting the Lord tip over some cows. And I felt the last two days very specifically in my own heart from Holy Spirit, Joshua, you better go back and overlap a little bit about what you've been talking about, right? I feel like sometimes in church, we are very quick to say amen to things that we have no intention on living out. That was a good word, brother. I can't even remember what you talked about. Uh, you know, I mean, so I, this is me too. I'm, like I'm preaching to myself. And so I want to go back and recap a little bit about what we've been talking about. So everybody say the word, say this, say union. union. One more time, say union. union. In the church here in the West, we talk about justification by faith. We talk about forgiveness of sins. We talk about baptism. Most of the time we do it really pitifully, but we talk about baptism. You hear a little bit about communion only when we do communion. <laughs> crazy to me. Uh, there are certain thoughts and themes that we make big here in America, and we really miss some of the bigger things in scripture. For me, I really, even on my car rides, my, my, my school rides to my kids in the morning, I'm talking about union with my kids. My son is eight. My baby girl is six. Because I want them to understand when you read the epistles, mainly the Pauline epistles, those written by Paul, union was a big part of what everything that he wrote about. The fact that you and I, watch this, we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. We have something 10,000 times better. We have union with the living Christ. Remember, I have a personal relationship with a lot of people in this room, but I only have a union with the one, and that is my wife. Yeah? And because I have a union with my wife, I have something with her that I have with nobody else in this room, and that is something called intimacy. Union is important because union denotes two becoming one. Hello, marriage. Right? Union is important because union denotes two becoming one. Personal relationships means I have a relationship with Kaylee. She thinks one way. I think another way. But in union, two become one. Well, who trumps who in union? Ugh. The stronger one trumps the weaker one in union. That is really, really good news because I know I can be weak-minded. I know I can have weak appetites. But when I think about being in union with him, I get excited. 
Because remember, how, how much union do we have with Jesus? We have this much union. He said, I am the vine and you are the... Does the branch have a personal relationship with the vine? Or does it have a union with the vine? It has a union with the vine. What is proof that the branch has a union with the vine? Ready for this? Fruit. <gasps> That's not even deep. <laughs> proof that I have a union with my wife is offspring. It's fruit. Jesus says, unless you abide in me and my word abide in you. Notice the union there. One of the most notable contributions, I'm telling you something, of the Eastern Orthodox tradition, which really they do Christianity right in a lot of ways, is that they focus on this word called theosis, right? It could be union, something really becoming divine. And without putting a lot of time here, because I don't have time, without a whole lot of exaggeration, you could say that the centerpiece of, of the Eastern Orthodox faith or their version of Christianity, as it were, something that touches everything that they do is the word union. So salvation to them doesn't mean just forgiveness of sins and one day I'll go to heaven. Like that's the thing in America. I get saved because, watch this, I don't want to go to hell. Wrong. Wrong. Bad theology. You don't get saved because you don't want to go to hell. Bad, very bad theology. And by the way, Jesus nor the apostles ever taught that stuff. We made that up and we made it beautiful in America. <laughs> if, ugh, Romans 2.4, be nice, Josh. Romans 2.4. Paul says this. It is the kindness of Yahweh that leads us to repentance. Listen, it is the kindness of God that leads you to metanoia. Repentance is metanoia, changing the way that you think. I also grew up thinking that repentance means you go to an altar or somewhere and you confess all of your sins and they would say, that is repentance. If that is repentance, it's like that much of it. If you go to an altar and you confess your sins, and by the way, who can ever confess every one of them? Because you've done something you, never, you can't even remember. So that, that, that's flawed. If you go to an altar and you try to confess your sins, but you don't change the way you thought about your sins, you will inevitably, inevitably end up doing the same thing over again. So God... Oh, I didn't mean to beat my spouse. I didn't mean to watch pornography. I didn't mean to rebel against my boss. I didn't mean to gossip about them. I didn't mean to overeat, because you know that's still a sin in the New Testament, by the way. Just thought I would put that one in there for you, because we think, well, I ain't none of those other things. I didn't mean to be fearful and unbelieving. If you don't change the way you think about those things, all you did is modify your behavior for 27 seconds and we, en we end up coming back the next week or the next day or even maybe the next hour and repenting over something that we just repented of. Well, did the repentance not take? 
So unless we change our mind about what repentance is, we don't get the benefits of the kingdom. Jesus says, repent. Why? For the kingdom of my father is at hand. So let's, 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 let's break it down. Change the way you think or you will miss the kingdom that is in front of you. I'm only supposed to be doing this, but here I am. Repent. What does re mean? I'm going to say do over. Do again. Pent. That's why we get our word penthouse. Where's the penthouse? So God is saying, I want you to go back up, do over, go back to the place where you fell from. If you don't change how you think, if there is no metanoia, you can keep repenting all you want to, but all you'll be doing is behavior modification. And watch this. We have preached behavior modification for 200 years in this country. Behavior modification would be me bringing a pit bull dog up on this altar and me putting a muzzle over his mouth. And he can't bite you because he has a muzzle on. But did I change the fact of whether or not he wanted to bite you? That's what we've done in church for years. We didn't change the nature because I couldn't change his heart. But if I stop you from doing the bad behavior, then we did well. God doesn't want you just not to sleep around. He wants you not to have the desire to sleep around. The Bible says crucify, watch this, this is is biblical, this is Galatians, you crucify the flesh, the lust of the flesh, watch this, he even says this, this is in there, nobody ever talks about this, he even says crucify the desires, do you know you can have crucified desires? So that even your desires are holy, what would it be like to say, yes, I didn't just Not cuss today. I didn't even have a desire to not cuss today. Is that possible? You ain't never been caught in traffic at rush hour? Yeah, I have. I'm just saying, let's make, let's get to a place that our union with Christ is not about behavior modification, but the work of Christ gets down into our hearts. See, scripturally, you can use the same mind you used to have. You just renew it. But scripturally, you do not renew your heart. You need a new one of those. Oh, man. There's a lot of surgeries and stuff you can do on your own. You can put a Band-Aid on your own kneecap. You can even stitch up your own arm. But I ain't never seen a surgeon that can do a heart transplant on himself. It takes, It takes a renewed heart. So to the Eastern Orthodox, salvation was not just forgiveness of sins or resurrection, going to heaven one day. It was was much more to them than that. It was the participation in the God life while alive on the earth. Did you hear that? It was participation in the God life while alive on the earth. And a lot of Eastern Orthodox, they will preach to you 2 Peter 1.4, which says this. Ms. Marsha, if you can, throw that up on the screen. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, because I want you to see this. This is what Peter says. He says that you and I can be, watch this, partakers of a divine nature. Did you hear that? 
partakers of a divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Well, how can you escape sinful desire? God says, then let me give you a new nature. I've told this story before. I don't know if I I told it here, but I grew up um, country. Everybody say country. I'm talking about dirt road country. Like, watch this. Mile and a half long dirt road before you get to your house country. Potholes that you can lose an 18-wheeler in country. Bad country, right? And one, she's not my biological aunt, but we always called her our aunt. She had like 37 dogs that lived outside of her house. I mean, it, I'm talking, about, oh, we were nasty. Oh, my gosh. Whew, it's bad. Just bad. Leave that up there because I'm going to quote it back here in a second. She had all of these dogs, but she had one random hog that was not in a pen. And this one random hog, Stephen, just lived with the dogs. True story. He lived with the dogs so much, he'd never seen another hog. Even though he was a hog, if you would drive down that dirt road when those dogs would start chasing your car, guess who would get up and start running too? Dogs would try to start barking. So the hog would release this. It wasn't a bark, but it's the best thing he had. He hung out with dogs, but he still had the nature of a hog, right? Watch this. He said, you and I, because of the promises of God that he gave us, through these promises, we become partakers of a what kind of nature? divine nature you actually believe you're divine no I I didn't say that the Bible said that watch it now brother if you're not careful you're going to be calling yourself a saint multiple times in the New Testament we're called saints because America taught us that a saint was a person that never sinned no 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 but that ain't scripture though yeah but my grandma I know what your grandma told you because I know what my grandma told me God rest her soul But I'm telling you that scripturally, we have been given a divine nature. Yeah, but you didn't see me yesterday. This has absolutely nothing to do with how you behaved yesterday. How you behave doesn't change the fact of what Jesus has done. And when we start putting the weight of our life on what he has done for us and deposited in us, then how we live will all make a difference. Are you tracking with me? So you're telling me I can have a divine nature and not know it? I'm telling you, you can have a lot of stuff and not know it. You can have COVID and not know it. You can have an STD and not know it. You can have a divine nature and you not know it. Woo! And so the Eastern Orthodox Church would preach this, that You have a divine nature, and when people would come into the faith, they would say, my friend here gave his heart to Christ last week. I want you to know something, man. You have a divine nature, bro. No, bro. You have a divine nature in you. What if we taught all new believers that? 
instead of, brother, you better try not to sin now. Just try, just don't sin. Just don't sin. You're going to do well. Just don't sin. <laughs> and you know, every time we say don't do that, you know what we're doing? We are emboldening in them a sin nature. <clears throat> don't sin. <clears throat> hey, don't sin. You didn't sin today, did you? Don't sin. And we're creating saints of God who are actually sin conscious rather than men spirit conscious. Rather than men son and daughter conscious. <laughs> Watch it now. But you have a divine nature. And you have already escaped the corruption that is in the world because of its sinful desires. Yeah, but I'm still in the world. Yeah, but you have a divine nature in the midst of the world. Come on. Right? It was St. Athanasius, the great defender from Arianism that said this, God became man so that man might become God. What? Listen, God became man so that man might what? Become like God. St. Athanasius. I think he knew something we didn't know. That's not saying that we get worship. I'm saying we become like our father. God became man through his son Jesus so that mankind through Jesus might become once again like our heavenly father. The way we were before Adam ever fell in a garden. Whoa. Whoa. If you're taking notes, write this quote down. I'm just going to throw a quote at you. You can enjoy every day in your life, watch this, irreversible closeness with God because of your union. You can enjoy every day in your walk with God, watch this, irreversible closeness with God because of your union with Jesus. I want you to know something. And here's point one. Here's point one. I talked about this again, but I'm telling you, I feel in my heart, I have to go back and hit it again. These are some, this is one lie that we believed in church a lot. And we, we, I'm telling you, we preach this like Sunday morning Captain Crunch cereal. You ready for it? I must get closer to God. Now look, listen, you, you'd be hard pressed to find a better person to preach this than me. Because I preached it a lot. I taught it to my sons and daughters in the faith a lot. You got to get closer to God. And this is the hamster wheel of American Christianity. But I'm fixing to dislodge the wheel. You and I, because of Jesus, have irreversible closeness with God. Paul called it, what? Union. Watch this. Union. I'm going to say it again. It's called union. Remember, prior to Jesus, and every faith on the planet, every religion on the planet has certain things that you do that would be considered holy that will make you more acceptable to the deity of your choice. I went to speak at a high school here, I guess, four or five years ago, and um, I was really ill-advised on what I was doing. I thought I was going to be the only speaker, and I had to speak on Christianity. I got there. They had somebody speaking on Catholicism, somebody speaking on Judaism, somebody speaking on um, Islam, somebody was talking about Hinduism, and then I went last. I, I thought I was going to be the only person speaking to these high school students on this, and I was just really ill-informed. And, uh, and basically, they gave you five minutes to talk about something about your faith. And I kid you not, every person that got up talked about what you had to do 
to be acceptable, you know, in their faith and in their religion and all this stuff that was going on. And I'll never forget the one on Islam, this young lady. She did a phenomenal job. I mean, she taught me a lot. She was like, you know, we, before we always go pray, we always got to wash our hands and we got to do it this way. And she had, it was so detailed. It was brilliant. I'm like, if you can definitely be acceptable to God, you guys have got it down pat. That, that's what you got to do. Then they let me get up and talk. And I said, I'm really glad I went last because um, I was tired of listening to you guys. You got to do all that stuff. <laughs> let me tell you the beauty of what, what we believe in the faith. And boy, the teacher tried to shut me down multiple times. Like she just did. She just instantly didn't like me. I said, um, I don't have to climb mountains to go to God anymore. I don't have to try to be perfect and never miss it to be acceptable in the sight of my God anymore. I don't have to go wash my hands or my face when I pray because sometimes I do it right in the bed in the morning. My conscience doesn't have to be free from sin when I pray because sometimes I still struggle. I don't care if it's my insecurities or what it may be. And I said, the beautiful thing about what I believe is that because of union with Jesus, you ready for this? Because of union with him, he came to me when I couldn't come to him. He came to me clean while I was still dirty. He came to me knowing I was harboring stuff that my mom didn't know, my wife didn't know, my friends didn't know, but he could see the details of my heart and he still said, I still choose you. And the beauty of the gospel is not that we ascend to God by doing holy things, but that he descended to us in the midst of our failures and said, I still choose you. This is the gospel. So you don't never get closer to God because let me ask you a question. What can you do to ever get you closer to God? Is it read the Bible more? Because watch this. If, if 10 hours more of Bible reading would help, then boy, what would happen if you read just say 15 hours a day? If 15 hours a week helped, what would happen if you read like 40 hours a day? A week. Do you understand how that, that watch this. Do you understand how that hamster wheel never ends? Because it always, it always increases. Well, if I just pray five more hours this week, I'll get closer to God. Yeah, then you know what's going to happen? Well, five hours will never be enough. Then you got to pray 10. Well, maybe if you fast, if you know, fast, you don't do Chick-fil-A, fast Popeyes. You'll probably be closer to God if you fast Popeyes, I'm just telling you. Anyway, anyway, so if you think fasting a cheeseburger will bring you closer to Jesus, I want to tell you something. You do not have the revelation of faith righteousness. I have read the Bible more. I can probably quote more scripture than anybody in the room. I actually enjoy praying. But I did all of these wrong for years thinking I was getting closer to God. Miss Marsha, get Ephesians 2 and 13 ready. Pretty sure it's 2.13. Get Ephesians 2.13 ready. I did all of these thinking, God love, that I was getting closer to God. You know what I was actually doing? Being more religious. 
I want you to understand me, hear me clearly. God loves it when you read the scripture, read it. He loves it when you pray, pray. But if you do this in hopes of getting closer to him, it is an insult to what his son Jesus has already done for you. Because coming close to God cannot be done because you bring him a book. And coming close to God cannot be done because you say, well, I prayed more this week. I desire more of your presence. We only get close to God by way of the life of his son given to us. In the Old Testament, men and women drew close to God when they sinful men would take the blood of an innocent animal, slice his throat, take that blood, go once a year into the Holy of Holies. They would take that blood and sprinkle it seven times upon the Ark of the Covenant. They went very cautiously and very afraid into the holiest place on the planet, sprinkling blood. The guy that took the blood back there not a priest, but a high priest, wore a garment that on the bottom of that garment had bells sewn around the bottom of it, Grant. And he went in that place once a year with bells on the bottom of his garment and a rope hand tied around his ankle. While he was sprinkling that blood and doing his work, if the bells ever stopped ringing, then the people outside holding the other end of that rope would grab it and pull him out because they knew he dropped dead in the presence of God because he had some secret sin in his life. That is the only way they could come before God. It would have been the most adventurous thing to do as a high priest, but also the scariest thing to do at the same time. But you and I, Now, because of Jesus, I don't have to put on a holy garment. I don't got to wear bells on my clothes. I can make the most grotesque mistake in my walk with God and say, Father, I thank you that you knew in advance I would do this and you shed blood on my behalf to cleanse me from this act that I just did. And I'm telling you, even without me even saying the prayer, the blood of Jesus is so efficacious. That, guys, I'm telling you, forgiveness, past, present, and future is a reality, but what it does in my heart is transforming to me. I don't have to walk up in church anymore wondering, is God going to smite me down? Man, if you knew what I did yesterday, you probably wouldn't be listening to me. Did you have an impure thought? What do I do to come close to God? Listen to this. This is just one of the 30 verses I have written down. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once what? Far off. Have been brought what? How? Whoa. What? You brought me close by blood? Yeah, by blood. You brought me close by blood. I just don't feel close. There's times I don't feel married. I'm still married. I'm glad that our faith is not based around feelings. Watch this. Closest with God is not a feeling. It is a fact. It's done. You might want to write that down. Closeness with God is not a feeling. It is a fact. How much closer to God can you, you and I get? I got to go because I don't have the time that I really need today. I want you to hear this. Miss Marsha, put up on the screen for me if you don't mind. 
1 Corinthians 15 and 22. I'm gonna write these down. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. You guys okay with some Bible? And then when you get that one, we're gonna look at 2 Corinthians. Everybody knows this one, 5 and 17. Now, watch this. How much closer can you get than this? Paul uses this term 164 times in the New Testament. He uses the term, you ready for this? That's crazy. 164 times in Christ. How much closer can you get than being Come here, God, love. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 22, by the way, as soon as you get that. Ha. God, love, I want to get close to you. God, love, said, well, if you want to get close to me, read my book. I did. I read the book of God, love. Love that chapter three. Very, very moving. Very, very moving. Got a little bit closer. Well, pray more. Well, I prayed more. Fast more. Well, I fasted more. All that seems really cool, right? Until you miss a day. <gasps> I'm about to see. I'm about to let my roots come out. See, don't, don't leave me, God. His name is God Love, by the way. He's from Cameroon. His name is God Love. I just want y'all to know. God Love. I'm about to show some of my roots. I'm about to go Brian McKnight on y'all. Y'all don't know nothing about Brian McKnight. Y'all don't know. It's got a couple of y'all saved. Y'all know. <laughs> Brian McKnight had a song. See, this is good until I miss a day. And then I got to start over. But the song says, you don't know, you know, you weren't a Brian McKnight fan. Somebody, one, two, all of y'all were heathens. Three, you're the only one for me and and if Believe the work is done. Oh man, and I start back. That's how that that's how a lot of our Christianity is. And for years we've been going over and over. For years we've been going over and over. And I'm not gonna eat and I'm not gonna do this. Trying to get close to God when Jesus is in heaven saying, Dad, if they would only just see. How much more closer to God than you, can you get than this? In him. This is union. This is union. This is union. What's that, what's that verse say? For as in Adam all died, and we were all in Adam, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. What's that? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Everybody say, in Christ. Christ. Now this verse says, by the way, y'all know that. Come on, this is a refrigerator verse. If I start it, if I start it, everybody can finish it. If any man. If anybody be what? In Christ. I'm a new creation. All things pass away. But hold on, all things are made new in Christ. So how much closer can you get to in than in Christ? Right? Now watch this. How much nearer can you be 
than this right here. Now, he used that one 164 times, but check this right here out. Do Colossians 127. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I always I'm going to throw my Bible. I need to do it at least one week, but that's good. <laughs> Somebody gave me, they made me something uh, last week at VBS. It was a, a macaroni noodle, man, and it had words coming out of his mouth. I'm going to throw my Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Colossians 1.27. How much closer to Christ can you be or to God than can you be than in Christ? Watch this. And how much nearer can he be to you than this? Colossians 1.27 says this. I'm going to wait on you, Miss Marsha, because it's worth it. It's good. I got to do it. Christ in you. What? The hope of glory. What? Hold on. I'm, I'm in him. Yeah, you are. But guess what else? He said he's in you. I don't feel like I'm in him. It's okay. You are. But he's in me. But I ain't, I'm supposed to feel something. It's one thing to be in Christ. If that ain't good enough, he said, well, let me put Christ in you. What more does God have to do to, to make us get this? Like legitimately, what does he have to do to make us get this? 1 Corinthians six seventeen says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. That is the craziest verse to me right now. I'm like, God, you made me one. Yeah, I did. I made you one. I brought you close. Now watch this. Thank you. Thank you, God love. If Remember last week we talked about the blood of Jesus didn't just cover sin. Remember that? Remember that Hebrews 10? Whatever the Old Testament priest did, he said they covered sin. They covered it. I had a big word. I had sin up here with a, a blanket over it. All they did was cover sin. And the Bible says year by year they did it. Offering sacrifice year by year they would cover sin. The only problem with that, watch this, is if you can cover sin, you can also what? Y'all ain't never tried to cover nothing up, have you? Some of y'all too saved. Act like y'all Jesus' third cousin. I'm telling you what. Now, you closer than third cousin. You brothers. Yeah. You're not just heirs. You know what you are? You joint heirs. We're going to get to the point where this isn't just the Bible. No, this is our life. That Watch this. I'm, I'm an Acts 17, 28 man. In him we move and we live and we have our very being. In him we move and we live and we have our very being. That means you can't move, live, or even exist outside of him. Woo! Come on. You can't move, live, or even exist outside of him. This is the gospel. If you can cover sin, then you can uncover it. Yeah, but... Josh, doesn't the Bible say in James 4 and 8, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you? Don't I got to draw near to him for him to draw near? You, I used to tear churches up. I'd be like, if you don't draw near to God, bless God, he ain't going to draw near to you. You could put James 4 8 up there if you want to, Miss Marsha, because this is going to be good right here. And I read the Bible completely out of context. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Yeah, it says that. But if you take a text 
out of context. If you take text out of context, you know what you're left with? Con. I'm going to say, no, no. If you, take te- if you take the text out of the context, you're left with a con. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. You He was talking to a subgroup in the middle of his audience. Cleanse your hands, you, and purify your heart, you double-minded one. You know what the double-minded was in his day? You keep mingling law and grace, and you are double-minded. You keep mingling old covenant and new covenant, and you are double-minded. Watch this. And if you mingle both covenants, you get none. If you mingle both covenants, you get none of them. Listen. For the believer, proximity to the Father must not be a pursuit. Rather, it is a promise. It is not just a pursuit. It is a promise. Quit relying on feelings to determine whether or not you're close and rely on truth. I'll never forget reading a book by Jeannie Mayo. She's the greatest youth pastor ever. She's Right now, Jeannie would be maybe 71 years old. She still leads a youth group of like 3,000. It's crazy. It's insane, 73 years old. Beautiful lady, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. In her book, she says she was, had a dream and she saw, you guys okay? You okay if you're bored, shout amen. Okay, a couple of you bored, shout amen. She said in the book, she saw herself praying and she saw three versions of herself and she was praying. And she said, she's on her knees praying like this and she's looking at herself praying and she said she could see the first posture she's praying maybe i'll just say version one she's praying and jesus comes and lays his hand on her shoulder and stephen she could see jesus touching her shoulder and she could feel him and it's almost as if jesus was letting her feel him so she could know i'm with you she's like wow i could really feel him he was with me the second time she saw herself version two she's praying and jesus just barely came over and barely touched her shoulder the first one he touched her shoulder touched her back he went in front of her he touched her face that was awesome the second version he just barely touched her shoulder she's like, well that was still good and the third version she saw of herself praying jesus was standing off behind her but he never touched her never said anything to her and she woke up and she said later on that day the holy spirit said to her jenny which one of those people would you want to be? Which was the most mature to you? She said, well, that's easy. I want to be the one who was feeling you and because I, I could see you with me in that dream. I could feel you. I could hear you talking. I knew you were with me. He said, that was the, the most immature one of the group. Well, Lord, why? I already told you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But I will be with you even until the end of the age. Why is that not good enough? Huh? I already told you Romans 5. I have shed abroad my spirit in your heart, my love by the Holy Ghost. I have told you that Christ in you is the hope of glory. I've told you that you're in me and me in you. The most mature believer are those who actually take God at his word and they don't have to have feelings to back up everything God said. Because I'm sure the church of old, when they were getting pulled apart by horses, didn't say, boy, I sure feel it right now. But they were gripped with a promise. 
that lo, he's with me always, even unto the ends of the world. And him telling me he's with me is greater than my feelings, which change if it rains. He's with me. Christ is with me. I don't know why, but I just felt so strongly in my heart that I had to come and re-emphasize again that we are brought close with the Father. Can I tell you something? When we come in this building on a Sunday morning, we don't sing hoping to get God to come. There are churches all around this city that are singing, hoping to get God to come. Why would I sing for somebody who isn't there? Come on, Taylor, back to the keys. I don't, I don't need anybody to sing today. Just go play something. So. How many cows can we tip over today? Why would I sing if I don't, like, do I sing loud enough hoping that you'll hear me and you'll come? God's not like the guy down the street. Oh, I don't, oh, that's where they are. Okay, that, no, keep singing. I'm coming. That's where they are. That's, where. that's how we believe he, that's how we believe that God does it. <laughs> Man, I did that for years. I did that for years. I did that for years. But it's so free and they get off the hamster wheel. It's free and grant. For years, man, I'm talking about for years. For years, I'm trying to dot my what? And I'm trying to what? Lord, please don't let me sin. Because I thought my sin was greater than God. And if I sin, he'd turn his back on me. and wouldn't leave me. And I was approaching God through the veil of an old covenant. And I taught myself he was distant. And I magnified the power of sin and I minimized the efficaciousness of the blood of Jesus. The disciples watched this Nazarene walk from town to town and he would take his thumbs and he would wipe blindness out of blind people's eyes. That would have gotten him that would have made him defiled prior if it wasn't Jesus. He, he would touch lepers or speak a word to lepers and say, be clean, and leprosy would leave their body. Prior to Jesus, that would, man, you were defiled. You were unclean, but Jesus came. And he showed us what the Father was really, really like. Jesus made a statement in one of the Gospels. He said, you worship me with your lips. But where you say the right stuff, he said, but when it comes to how you really see me in your heart, there's such a disconnect between you, what you're saying about me and how you really see me. No wonder you never connect with me because your words and your view are missing me. But Jesus came to be what Paul said in Colossians 1.15. Let me give you a visible image of the God you've never seen so that you can really know what he's really, really like. And he took a cup of wine and he took a piece of bread and he sat in a room after three and a half years of doing life with 12 men giving himself over and over and over trying his best to get in to see what Papa was really really like and he said what you're fixing to see is my body been broken or given for you and this wine that you're fixing to drink is my blood that will be poured out for you and literally you're going to take me in and you're going to drink me in and, and this communion that the Eastern Orthodox Church they don't just call it communion 
or symbolism to them. It's a sacrament. It is the Eucharist. That I can be brought close every time. I do communion, yes. I'm, I'm learning that I don't have to do these things to become these things. What I'm learning is that these things already are. I'm just becoming aware of it. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? I'm learning I don't have to do these things to become these things. I'm learning that I'm only becoming aware of what's already taken place. A guy told me, he said, man, I've been saved for 22 years. He said, but you know what I realized? I'm not a 22-year-old believer in Christ. He said, but because of what I've been taught, he said, I've been one years old in Christ for 22 years. But we're seeing better. You broke me two weeks ago when you came. You broke me, man. You broke me. <laughs> I have had, I think, four people in the last two weeks come up to me and say things to me that I, I would take what they told me over a million dollar check and I am not messing around when I say that. You know what's happening? We're seeing the Father take the gospel and wipe the religion out of our eyes so that we can see again. So that we can see again. Would you stand to your feet with me? I give you permission today to see things clearly now. If you feel tired and heavy and weighed down because of how your walk with Jesus has been, let me extend to you the promise. I'm telling you two or three minutes. If that long, I'm done. Let me extend to you the promise of Jesus. Matthew 11. He recognizes his audience of people that were raised upon the Lord. He recognized that they were weighed down by trying to be good people. <laughs> because they didn't recognize that he made them to be good people. You know, the last thing that the Father said when he made creation, he said, it is good. You know the lie that the enemy told Eve and Adam? God knows that the day you eat this fruit, your eyes will be open. And you'll know the difference between what? Good and evil. He made them think that God was holding something back from them. So they thought if I eat this fruit, I can become good when they don't know that the Father pronounced over them that you are good. And Jesus says to his audience, he says, come unto me. Everybody who's just tired and heavy. You're wore out from trying to do all the religious calisthenics, you know. And you're going to find out something. I want you to take my yoke, my teaching, and put it on you. And you're going to find out that my yoke is what? Easy. Come on, is that your walk of faith? It should be easy. And you're going to find out there, are, there is a burden in the gospel. But you know what this burden is? He said, my burden is light. What? Easy and light. And he says, I'm glad he didn't end. And he says, and you will find rest for your soul. You know what that is? Your mind, your will, 
and your emotions. I said, I want to bring rest to your inward man. That's something a thousand sermons won't do, a thousand church services won't do, a thousand altar calls. And I want to say this right now again by way of Holy Spirit. Receive the rest of God, tired soul. Receive the rest of God, laboring soul. I say to you, so receive the yoke of God's word, you laboring soul. Proximity will no longer have to be your pursuit because the blood of Jesus has given you a clear pathway. Now rest in what we call the finished work of the cross. Rest in the fact that just as much as Jesus is seated by the Father and even one with the Father, you are as connected to him as a branch is to the vine and as a vine is to the branch. You are inseparable. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. In him you move, you live, and you have your very being. He said, I in you, you in me, and we together are in the Father. As you were all in Adam, so you are now all in me. You are one spirit with me. You are mine. And I break off of you every limiting mindset. I tip over in your life. I, re- I break the braces and I tip over in your life everything that religion has put there and said, you shall not move. The same way that Christ turned over the, 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 the money tables in the temple of his day, I'm telling you, he's coming, turning these things over because they should have never been standing in the first place. He's taking the cords of love and cleansing out the temple again now so that you can see properly. I'm going to ask our team to put on some music in the back there, and these altars are going to be open. And if you need to leave, I want to release you to to leave. But if you want to stay for a moment and just linger and let the Lord just wash over you, you can feel free to do that also. But I want to speak this over you. Through Jesus Christ now, the Lord has blessed you and he will keep you. Because of Jesus, he has made his face to ever shine upon you. By and through Jesus, God has given us his eternal and everlasting peace. And because of Jesus, he has forever and will forever show favor toward you. I bless you all today. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.